0: You're listening to Real Crime, the movie sleuth podcast. Wieners out. Yes, I hear there. The, uh, I hereby declare this to be an all wiener show <laughs> for the Real Crime podcast. It, it, is, it is
1: all wieners all night out long. For real crime.
0: We discuss theater on this show. But well, at least uh, theater on film. Chris is running around the studio right now. He's shaking it for us. As usual. And this is just, yeah, it's it's three men. Three <laughs> men talking about manly things tonight.
2: Three men and a baby.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be a very masculine show. It's going to be great. Real Crime, episode number 71. And we're all, I think we're all just, uh, we got all, we're all filled with a little bit of piss and vinegar tonight. I... Just got done with a full-on ten-minute rant uh, to these two uh, poor wonder- <laughs> 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 these two poor gentlemen. I was, gonna- <laughs> I'm saying gentlemen as, it- as Andrew's just burping into the mic, um, but we're getting a fun show. <laughs> <laughs> However, before However, we get to all that good stuff, smothered and onions. Yes, Chris, it's it was cold out this week. It was kind well, of frigid. It was cold out today.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's very cold in the D. I had to <laughs> fight the
2: abominable snowman this week. To get news. To get news. What do we have this week, Chris? Well, first off, again, we got to mention our sponsors, the Flint Institute of Arts. Check out their weekly film series,
0: flintinstituteofarts.org. And we also, gotta, when are we going to get up there? I don't, don't know. We've been, we've been working Me on and
2: it. Andrew are actually planning on making a trip up there I want to go up there because,
0: yeah. I mean, this is fantastic. We have to go.
2: Yep. Yeah. Make sure you check out projectorscreen.com.
0: Outstanding.
2: Outstanding. And also check out our contest on themoviesuit.com. We're giving away five horror movies from Wild Eye releasing. Oh, my God. You, you're nuts. You're yeah. nuts if you don't take part in this. Why not take free shit when you it's can get free, free shit.
0: shit? It's free shit. Yes,
2: Everybody sir. Everybody get involved. Beggars
1: can't be choosers. That's Everybody,
2: history. you all need to get involved here. Everybody. The news. The news. Uh, and this weekend news uh, Snowpiercer was being adapted to TV <laughs> by TNT, and it's officially lost its showrunner. They had a pilot in production already, so we're not sure what's going to happen with the show now. Yeah, I don't really know how you're going to turn Snowpiercer into a series. Because, you know, everything they really had to tell fit they told. into The it movie, movie itself
1: is kind of overblown, though. It seemed like they were really cramming as much as they could into that movie. The TV series maybe leave more breathing room.
0: Maybe. Know. Maybe they should have started with that.
2: Yeah. Star yeah. Wars The Last Jedi just crossed $600 million domestically. It actually slipped to number eight at the domestic box office this weekend. So they're actually estimating now that it's not going to make $1.6 billion, that it'll be closer to $1.3 or $1.4. Where's
0: the fucking roof on this thing? Which
2: will still make it the fifth or sixth highest grossing movie of all time. Total flop.
1: <laughs> With adjusted inflation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Compared to some of the ones that came before, but that's open to debate. No need to open the can of worms, right? Yeah.
2: <clears throat> the Anne Hathaway Barbie movie has been moved to 2020. I shed
1: many tears over There's that. The Anne Hathaway Barbie movie. Yeah, yeah. maybe and by you 2020. You actually said that out loud just now. Maybe yes, by did. 2020 they'll push it to 2030. Hmm. Who knows? Whatever the fuck that is. Whatever knows. floats your boat, I guess. Yeah. The Maze Runner,
0: the
2: Death Cure movie that's opening mm. this weekend, mm. they're estimating it will have a $20 million opening, which I guess is quite a bit more than the other ones. So I actually saw this last week. It's really good, actually. Okay. A little predictable, of course, because it's teenage dystopian bullshit. Young but adult. They're still yeah. doing
1: those? They're still interested in those? Just movies. Just this
2: one, for some reason, people are interested in this. Because so. the
1: Diversion series really took a nosedive with audiences, didn't it? Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, they just stopped making them. Yeah. They just stopped making them. So, last but not least, MGM is working on a new Robocop movie that is going to be totally
0: disconnected.
2: No, this is going to be totally connected.
0: What did I read?
2: They have hired on a writer from the original robocop movies and he is writing a film that is going to be set in the universe from the original movies that will be a direct sequel to the original robocop maybe gonna,
1: i go ahead andrew oh it's oh. going to ignore two and three right
2: i think it's just going to ignore anything after two
1: hmm.
0: maybe two. i got dyslexic I, I must have read the same article but i went dyslexic i i thought it was something totally disconnected from no the original no.
1: universe no Holy crap.
2: They're, yeah, they want it to be connected to the original Robocop.
0: I don't know how to feel
1: about this. I'm lukewarm to the idea just because Paul Verhoeven's personality was such a big factor in yeah. the original film being what it was. Yeah. I mean, the whole Ed 209 introduction, the way it derails the movie, you think it's going to be just a straight thriller, and then it very briefly turns into a farce before going back to being a science fiction film again. Mm. It's, that's pure Paul Verhoeven, the scene where Ed 209 comes in and just... Shoots oh, the guy dead. It's
2: awesome. I actually watched the movie again last night, mm-hmm. and it's really good. It's really good for Robocop. the time when it came out. Yeah.
1: Oh, it's freaking great.
2: And it's brutal. The action is great. The story is good. But the funny thing is, I'm watching RoboCop last night based on this news that we reported. Mm-hmm. And watching this movie. I'm like, God damn. This movie seems really, really familiar. And I'm like... What is this plot the exact same as? And I thought of it. The Crow. RoboCop and The Crow are literally the exact same movie. Man dies, killed by this vicious gang, killed Mm -hmm. brutally, Mm -hmm. somehow is brought back to life, Mm -hmm. and then he goes around systematically killing each of those gang members Mm -hmm. that killed him. And, of course, somebody in each movie says almost the exact same line, I killed you. You're dead. Mm -hmm. It's like, I was like, holy shit. These are the exact same movie. And then he has to go to, you know, an abandoned warehouse or like the church in The Crow mm -hmm. to kill off whatever is left of the rest of the bad guys.
1: Mm -hmm. Paul Verhoeven even said that it was meant to be a Christ allegory. The idea he's, you know, murdered and then he's resurrected. But there's all these other subtle images that are scattered throughout like all the children coming up to touch him when he says stay out of trouble when all the cops are shooting at him and he's he's lurched over in this position where he's standing he's kneeling on one leg and he's got his arm in the air it's like he's carrying a cross and then even later when uh clarence boddicker has his showdown with him he's literally walking on water in the last sequence So.
0: Still one of the most disturbing scenes I've ever seen in a film is the whole toxic waste thing. With the, When the guy comes out of the toxic waste, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. That is probably one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen, honestly, in film. I mean, it was just it's a small cut, just one of those little things you see. And that's one of those things we've talked about that in the past here on the show. Some of those little impressions you get that are permanently burned into your brain. That's one of them from RoboCop. It's just the, the whole toxic waste thing. What well,
2: what's funny is there's there's three really brutal scenes in that movie that if you tried to make that now, there's a very good chance they wouldn't make it to the theatrical cut. Well, the it, killing of Murphy in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they shoot his hand off, it's hyper realistic the way that looks. Yeah, and yeah. his entire death scene is just completely brutal. The toxic waste scene. Mm-hmm. You know, and his friend, his, like, good friend, is like, get away from me.
1: Like, well, that whole... Um, get, yeah,
2: get away from
1: me. The yeah. whole Ed 209 shootout sequence and Murphy's death, those were originally trimmed to avoid X rating, but now the only way you can get it on Blu-ray is the X-rated cut. Like, the shot where you see his arm flying off of his yeah. socket, that's in the X-rated cut. The R-rated cut, they do a close-up of him screaming, and then they do a, a wide cut. A wide-angle shot, and you see his arm's already gone.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a good movie. And RoboCop movie. 2 is actually really good, too.
1: From the director of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And
2: RoboCop 3, though, that's when it starts to... Because that was the one that Peter Weller did not come back for. Mm-hmm. They had a the different guy play him, yeah. and then RoboCop could fly. Like, shit mm-hmm. just started to get stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, in your releases this week, the death cure, as we've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. Hostiles finally comes out gets uh, expanded release which that is a great movie that i would suggest any fan of westerns see that movie i'm in and then uh kickboxer retaliation comes out Ooh. i'm sure we'll be reviewing that and they will be <laughs> all over it
1: is that going to theaters or straight to video i
2: think it's a limited release and straight to video
1: because it seems like it's straight to video fodder
2: yeah for sure The last one was, too. Mm -hmm. But, man, that PR company, when we posted our review, they were all over it. It was crazy, yes. Um, Okay, so suggested viewings for this week. What do you got, Chris? Well, I watched this uh, little movie that I reviewed over the weekend. It's called Adrenochrome.
0: Okay.
2: And basically it's. It's almost like a trauma movie. It's directed by this guy, Trevor Sims, who also acts in the movie. Mm-hmm. The acting is pretty bad throughout the entire thing, but it's basically about Venice Beach. There is a cult living there, kind of like a Charles Manson-type cult, but it's modern-day, and they are murdering people to steal their adrenal gland and use it to get high. <laughs> The movie is really dumb, but it's filmed really cool. It's done on a very minuscule budget. Mm-hmm. The visual effects are great in this movie though.
0: This is a cult?
2: This is a th- yeah, it's about a cult.
0: Cuz that's that's a that's a to go fly into the weeds briefly. There's an actual theory I've heard on some of the what they say alien visitation that we supposedly have on this planet that that's one of the things there's one race of aliens that literally abduct people. When we hear about alien abduction, they they abduct us to, for our adrenal ca- glands because it's like cocaine to them. They get high as hell off of it, dude.
2: Sounds just like a, good to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just
0: figure just, throw that horse shit in, into this fucking mix. But There's a lot of nudity in
2: this movie, too. Oh, I'm sold. No so, complaints. What's yeah, that? No complaints. No, no complaints. Ahead. Lots of boobies. Lots, lots of, boobies. of, lots of naked boobies. Boobies. So it's just a fun movie if yeah. you're into, like, trauma-type cult stuff this is a movie to check out total b movie it's on amazon streaming i tried watching it on vimeo i couldn't get it to stream on vimeo for some reason it kept buffering for me so i ended up spending the seven bucks to download it on you amazon that's cool it was worth it though i support yeah. it so outstanding andrew
1: um i'm gonna recommend the super inframan it's this shaw brothers movie from i believe 1975 and it's sort of like their carbon copy of uh Ultraman and you know basically uh guys in rubber costumes rock'em sock'em sort of Sort of action movie. It's pretty cheesy, but it's a lot of fun uh, very tongue-in-cheek uh, It's on Amazon Prime in HD. They use the same HD master that was put on the blu-ray and It's one of the funniest movies I've seen in quite some time cool. Definitely recommend that
0: cool I, um, I know this is a little bit dated now, um, but I finally went out and saw, me and the better half went out and saw The Shape of Water last night. I don't, we, we didn't really give that movie a lot of time here. Have we talked about that sh- movie? Or, I don't think we did.
2: We've, we haven't well, dedicated been, much time to it uh, Which
0: we, and we're not going to do it now. Uh, but we went and it's saw that. Best Picture. Yeah, we went and saw that last night on Guillermo del Toro Delivers Again. The guy just never misses. The guy's incredible. I, I love his films. And this movie, I know you haven't seen it yet, Andrew, so I'm not going to delve into it. But this movie, I left the theater. This is just my thing. I left the theater after that, and it just the movie literally got under my skin. But not in a in a negative way. You know, you'll get it when you see it, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you'll see it, Andrew. Um, but it really did, there's impressions from that, like we just mentioned the minute ago, mm-hmm. where I can't get them out of my head. You know what I mean? They're just kind of sticking with me right now. Um, but fantastic movie. I'm glad we find, I've, I've been trying to get to the theater and see it. And we finally got some time here um, to sit down and see this, see it. Some
2: Great. of the ideas behind it are a little bit disturbing though. Oh, I can't really, I don't want to, cause a lot of people haven't seen it. Hence yet. under the skin. Yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. So, and that's, let uh, will just leave it at that. Uh, Andrew, check it out. We'll, and we'll, we'll talk shop on that later Definitely.
1: on. Anybody uh, else here seen, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's new movie yet Phantom Thread
0: I have not that is next on my list to, yeah. to put time into
1: it's up there it's um I got pretty it. close to perfect
0: PTA and Daniel A Lewis again I mean you no, you I, can't lose I should have been there the, I should have been there opening night but you know
1: just... yeah Daniel D. Lewis is fantastic in it Paul Thomas Anderson shot the movie himself too this is his first movie where he didn't work with a cinematographer he did every single technical yeah. aspect of the making of this film. And uh, for a first-time cinematographer, he uh, he does some pretty exciting visual work in this film. And uh, the production design, the music, just everything about it, it's, it's kind of a miraculous movie.
2: I can see that, though. I mean, the man, he's directed so many fabulous movies. Yeah. you got to imagine that he would have the eye for cinematography, too.
0: Mm-hmm. I trust him. Yeah, I totally trust him. Just a side note, we talked about this last week off the air, and I and I immediately came home and ordered it, and I did get my vinyl copy finally of the Interstellar soundtrack. I've been, I've been meaning to get that, and I I'm such an idiot. I should have brought it with me this week to show it to you guys. Yeah, um, but I have that, and I, it's just another one of those things—a matter of getting some time to sit down, and die I've already heard it obviously, but just really sit down in my listening room and listen to the vinyl copy of this, and on top of that. To add insult to injury, my better half, she's a classically trained pianist. And guess what? She's learning how to play right now, which I heard a part of it tonight. I'm sitting there at the kitchen table and she's on the piano and she starts playing one of the, you know, one of the movements of that. And I mean, that soundtrack still to me it's just oh, so yeah. goddamn gripping
1: I mean, no co- what is it called uh no time for caution that's my favorite track on the um, oh my god the docking scene yeah
0: oh yeah that's so intense yeah uh, but you know that whole like you know that i, I gotta I got look at the titles again but you know dun, 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 that whole that whole move and that's do what i try was to do. dock i repeat <laughs> yeah. do not dock but yeah But Amber started playing that and I just felt it again. I just when I heard that, I was like, my God, that's so fucking
1: good. You know It's my favorite Hans Zimmer score. It's by far.
2: I mean, I'll be honest with you. I watched Interstellar on Saturday night again. I haven't seen I haven't watched it in like two years. Call me next time you do it. I'll be here. On my system I mean, literally, I had to keep turning the volume down because there is so much low end in that soundtrack. Yeah. But I will argue to this very day, I think that's probably Christopher Nolan's best
0: movie. It is. I it's agree. By by far. I it agree. It's a great, great film. Everything, everything, everything about it is. I just. You know, we've riffed on this for so many times, and I'm sorry, listening audience, it's, just, it's such an important <laughs> All movie All two to of you. Yeah. It's such, <laughs> I, a, it's such an important movie for me, and, and the soundtrack is just as important.
1: I managed to see it, I think, five times at the Henry Ford, and I only saw it at the Henry Ford in 70 millimeter. I couldn't imagine seeing it any other way. It's just such a yeah, overwhelming sensory experience, yeah. especially from a visual standpoint and from a sonic standpoint. I mean, it's one of the loudest movies yeah you can listen to
0: it's insane yeah it's it's truly and it's truly one of those films again where you watch it and every damn time it's it just blows my mind every time i watch it i do i always see something new i'm like holy crap i didn't see that last time
1: i love how much of it's done practically too like the whole tesseract sequence Mm -hmm. was done with rear projections like they they created cgi effects and rear projected them onto these wall ribbons and it it It's just extraordinary. Yeah, I
2: think pretty soon we need to do a Nolan episode. So we really do. Let's not kill it. Yeah, (laughs) let's not do
0: that. But I got I got to sit down and listen to that soundtrack. I'm really excited for that. Maybe one night I'll bring that over. Let you guys check it out too. I should have brought. I thought about it today when you when you started showing me your wares, Andrew. I'm like, why didn't I grab that on the way out to show you guys? So sorry about that. But all right, we got a very important show. (laughs) Why are we doing this? It's just, you know what. I was not I was not a hundred percent into this idea. I won't lie, but I'm here. I'm well, not being negative. But, I
2: think know. it you know, it's good to change it up. No, you're right. And you know, we've done a lot of directors. We haven't really done a deep dive into any real actors yet.
0: And why'd we start with this one? Ben?
2: Because it's topical. He's right. got a new movie out this week. And I think his career is very kinda interesting actually to go from like you know these like pop culture phenomenon movies, like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, yeah. to this week's release of Mom and Dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind. Of, this guy has run the gamut of like being a support player mm-hmm. to being a major, major contender in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. To he's being won an Academy Award, he's he's got an Academy Award, mm-hmm. and then everything went. Disney for a little bit mm-hmm. and then the tax problem started. Yeah. And his career basically slid off the rails. And then he got into just a little bit of supporting roles again. Yeah. And now it seems like he's trying and making a little headway towards becoming a um not really like a B player, but more like he's taking these lead roles on again that are a little more. Cult cinema? Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that what um, we call them?
1: A little more B-movie oriented, but uh, w- with a, with an edge that's interesting. It's guess who
0: we're talking about.
1: Go ahead, <laughs> ahead bet you, you'll never guess. Yeah.
2: We're talking about Nicolas Cage, which obviously you'll see the banner and shit on the podcast. So yeah, so
0: this that. isn't going to be any surprise. Yeah, damn, so this won't
2: be him. any surprise to you.
0: Now, but go ahead, Chris.
2: I think it it is a very... Interesting thing that's happened with this guy because he did kind of hit the height of Hollywood stardom. And I mean, he was loaded at one point, Mm -hmm. and now he isn't anymore. He's not. I mean, I'm sure he's got some money, but you know, in like 2007, 2009, he hit a roadblock where he owed like millions and millions of dollars in taxes and found out that the person that was working for him was not setting aside the money to pay for stuff. Yeah. And he ended up Nicholas Cage lost everything. Like he had a wow. man he had a mansion in Vegas that was estimated about 10 million dollars. Yeah. And he was he sold it. He sold it to try and make good on the back taxes he owed. He mm-hmm. had um Numerous other properties. I read, like, in one area, he had three homes in the tropics and he sold them all. Like, he basically sold everything to try and make good on getting these taxes paid up because they were coming after him hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, this could have been like a Wesley Snipes thing where he ended up in prison for tax evasion. For tax evasion. Now, I don't really know if the whole thing was his fault or not, or if it was this person that worked for him that just was not paying everything Mm. and was possibly embezzling money um but i just thought it was kind of interesting because mom and dad came out and there's a lot of hype around this movie and now yeah the guy that directed beyond the black rainbow Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Cosmato's, has a new movie coming out called mandy that Nicolas Cage is starring in too. Okay, mm-hmm. so he's got some really interesting stuff happening.
0: Let's start with Mom and Dad and work our way back. Is that cool? Yeah, can, can we, I mean, because we, we're
2: not going to cover. I mean, he's been in like 91 movies. Or yeah, something. and
0: I mean, and here's the thing with me, at least from my standpoint, I was going through my you know preparing for this thing yesterday, and I'll be totally honest, I haven't seen a lot of his films. I I really haven't, and I'll and I'll tell you why, Nicolas Cage. Bothered the shit out of me, especially in the 90s, right? It just everything he seemed to be in just was stuff that would just hit the wrong chord for me, and I just didn't want to give it any time,
2: right? Well, he quickly became a caricature of himself. Yeah. Very, very quickly. He started doing the same things over, yeah, and, uh, over and over
1: and over again. You know, um, resting on his laurels, and you're just waiting for him to go over the top and start shouting, and...
0: He started doing the, P- the Pacino thing.
1: Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. We did, I know, myself, um, I did... Uh, screen uh, mom and dad <laughs> literally literally I was trying to get through it tonight before the show and it was like on my walk I was watching it
1: I also finished it tonight
0: yeah I I, I think I told you how I finished the movie it was, I yeah know, sure? yeah I'm that's okay. the whatever thing to you do, finished but, it um, but I did finish it um, I want to watch it again because I mean, I was kind of like, I I really want to sit down and watch it and pay attention to. I mean, I was paying attention, but when you're out walking and you're you're driving, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think it's hard to like really pay attention to everything. But I did get the gist of it. It's a fucking wild movie. It is it's a, a wild, fucking movie. wild movie, man.
1: It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Little little nihilistic, but you know that was part of the fun. Yeah, Uh and I like that they didn't really explain. Why the yeah. phenomenon was happening. They kept you in the dark about it.
0: Yeah. Um, Nicolas Cage, yeah, he he delivers um, in his usual...
1: <laughs> his usual demeanor. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, to his credit, to get things rolling...
1: I liked how he destroyed the pool table.
0: Yeah, that was cool. But he looks good. I think he looks... I mean, you know, I know he's, he's in a film, but, I mean, he don't look haggard, at least as a person. I mean... Maybe I'm maybe I shouldn't be judging it at, from a film itself, um, but compared to the last thing I actually saw, the last film I saw Nicolas Cage in, honestly, was the video that was shot of him out in front of a casino, I think, somewhere um, <laughs> with with Tommy Lee. No, not yeah. Tommy Lee, on uh, fucking Motley Crue singer,
2: Vince Neil. Vince Neal. He's a cock
0: knocker. Them both pissed <laughs> drunk out of their minds. Yeah, and Nicolas Cage literally. Being Nicolas Cage, like, the same dramatic... Stop it! Stop it, Vince! Stop it! You have to stop! And I'm like, that's the last film I saw Nicolas Cage in. And that was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Some TMZ bullshit, right? Um, So, but, I mean, thinking, like, going... <laughs> just, I'm sorry. Keep what? going. No, go ahead. What's I something?
2: was just thinking of a name for the podcast, and I have it. It's so good. <laughs> just,
0: <laughs> but, you know, just going on that... <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs>
2: Episode 71, uncaged. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <It's> Cagedastic. <laughs>
0: that's good. Use it. Um, but, I mean, just going on that thought, like that thread, like, oh, my God, this guy is on his way to hell. I mean, he's just he's just partying himself half to death, right? But going on on what you're saying, I mean, yeah, it does look like he may be getting active again. And that's good. Because I do think, regardless, go ahead. No, I'm listening. Well, regardless of my what my feelings are towards Nick Cage as far as an actor, and me avoiding, you know, a lot of his films, I do think he's a, he's well, he's somebody you know who he is when he's coming. You see the name, you see the face. He's very recognizable. He is a very unique person. He's a very unique actor, right? So that that lends a lot of I think that lends a lot of credit to the guy.
1: Even in uh, Zandali, which is this lesser known movie, pretty ridiculous movie that he was in first time you see him on screen he's in shadow he's silhouetted and he starts swishing his long hair around like a rock star and you already know without even seeing his face that that's Nicolas cage
0: yeah
2: yeah i just there's it's something about the guy i don't know what it is well look at this freaking picture you have here in the studio i know not the bees (laughs) but he's like I said, he has become a character of himself. Yeah. But it's still just very interesting to me to see somebody like attempt to make that comeback. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's been like th- literally through the dregs of. I mean, like the last few years, I had to review some movies that mm-hmm. we were given by PR companies. Yeah. And I'd get them, and it would say starring Nicolas Cage, and I'm like, what? What? Yeah. This is like a like a three million dollar budgeted movie. For the last few years, the guy was just taking as many roles as he could possibly take. It's shocking yeah. how many movies Nicolas Cage has actually been in in the last few years that never got a theatrical release, but he was just, like, biding his time, making that money wherever he could, even if it was through foreign he entities. He himself back in his making, chops again. I mean, yeah, he
0: may have just been getting the muscles
2: working. Well, but he know? was paying his debts off yeah, is what yeah, he was mm-hmm. doing. yeah.
1: He had to do a little bit of drudgery like The Left Behind movie. Oh god. Um but he made a comeback with things like Doggy Dog and uh and the movie we mentioned tonight Mom and Dad. Mm-hmm. And um you know just kept busy, kept on kept on working. Remained a character actor the whole time but didn't really do the didn't really go back to the superstardom that he had with uh with his mid '90s movies,
0: National Treasure,
1: um, yeah, The Rock. Well, let's talk yeah. about this. This Con whole character,
0: this whole character of himself thing, though. Why does this not work for Nicolas Cage? Because, like, let's take somebody like Christopher Walken, for example. You no, know, another yeah. very big actor, right? Um, I think it's pretty obvious that he's kind of become a you know, over the last, especially over the last ten years. Well, let's say the last fifteen.
1: Self parody.
0: Yeah, he's been a he's he's. It's the same idea. Yeah, but for Christopher Walken, we all love him. Yeah, I'd love it. I can watch him do anything. And I'm like, (laughs) I love Christopher Walken that. And he, he really is the same type of thing, that same character of himself.
2: I think the difference is and I could be totally wrong. Tell me if I'm wrong. But Christopher Walken has never been. He's never had the star power that Nicolas Cage had, like in the late 90s, early 2000s. Christopher Walken has always been more of that bit player he's never been quirky you know other than like king mm-hmm. of new york and stuff like that mm-hmm. christopher walken Man, has deer always hunter. come on the deer hunter well yeah but he's always been kind of like a side character and he's yeah. never made as many movies as nicholas cage there was a time there when nicholas cage was starring in everything everything so i think it's a matter of with nicholas cage we just got so much of it and with christopher walken it's more of like it's sparse, it's broken up. You get Christopher Walken playing that same <laughs> character repeatedly, mm-hmm. but it's not 10 times a year. Okay, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Yeah,
1: he does a lot of uh, low budget movies and some straight to video movies, too. He's basically doing everything now.
2: Christopher Walken, Christopher oh, Nick- Walken,
1: Nicolas Cage. Oh, oh Nicholas Nicolas Cage, Cage. yeah. yeah well, yeah, Nicolas Cage.
0: So, okay, well, that makes sense. I mean, because I was just, when you're saying that, I'm like, well, there's a lot of actors, especially nowadays, who are getting older. Oh, yeah. And we're looking at, you know, they, they are, it's it's a reflection of their career going, man, now we're looking back going, oh, my God, this person just, that same, like that same delivery Christopher Walken gives. It's just it's brilliant. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I can watch it all day long. Um, but there is that personality, that look, and that feel of him. Um, but yeah, that logic you put behind it does make sense. Right. Cause, and that, that's my thing, I think. And I mentioned this before about Nicholas Cage. He yeah, in the nineties, he was in every fucking movie that came out.
2: Oh yeah. There was a time, I mean, like after leaving Las Vegas, like where he was like the everything, like, oh, we're going to put him in
1: everything, mm-hmm. you know?
0: now. You know, one of the movies that he was in that I loved was rumble fish. I I, I mm-hmm. love Rumblefish. Um and he doesn't play a huge role in it, but he does have you know, there's some
1: he's got some some key scenes. He's uh he's Coppola Francis Ford Coppola's nephew, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And yeah. That's a Coppola directed film. Yeah. Same with uh, Peggy Sue Got Married, but not continues got
0: No, no, it's fine. I mean I that <laughs> I'm just throwing these out there and that was the next one on my list that i you know that I'm, of movies that I've sat down and watched and really, you know, gave time to. I love Rumblefish. And you know, Peggy Sue got married, um as a whole, that film is very interesting because you know it's a weird premise. It's a weird idea of how this the movie plays out and how it ends. Always kind of just it ends on this real soft, like just loving note. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, y- you what you you know what you just went through? <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen this
2: movie in so long.
0: You know, I mean the I, I mean I don't want to spoil well i guess it's not that hard it was kind of the 30 years old ago it was was kind of the other
1: back to the future of its day Mm -hmm. it
0: really was yeah um
1: raising arizona
0: dude that's the
2: fuck now that's one of my if you're gonna ask me the highlights of his career (laughs) fuck yeah it's gonna be raising arizona yeah yeah the rock in conair
0: leaving las vegas Mm -hmm. seriously raising arizona that
1: character now that's spe- character actor um let's not forget David Lynch's wild at heart oh yeah. sailor and Lula oh yeah
2: God, I mean see there are there's so much good shit in
0: his career
1: yeah Moonstruck your,
0: what Moonstruck <laughs>
1: with yeah Cher I never saw that.
0: that oh you know what? I think I may have saw that but it just was one of those ones that never really stuck with me
1: Chrissy bring me the big knife I'm gonna yeah. cut my throat yeah
0: <laughs> Raising Arizona's got so many frigging wild scenes. There's just so much. I'm going to get little Nathan Jr. some hoogie. I mean, that shit's, that's, you fucking can't
1: touch that. That shit's awesome, man.
2: You know, Raising Arizona, I think this was the first Coen Brothers movie, right? Yeah. The first big release for them.
1: It was their first big release. Their first movie, technically, was Blood Simple, but their, right. their first big release Yeah, was Raising Arizona.
2: Raising Arizona, like, I saw this at the theater with my mom. When I was a kid. And this became for us It was a weird movie. It was like that weird cool. It's a movie, weird man. movie. Yeah. But me and my mom used to watch this movie like all the time. Every yeah. couple months. My parents love it too. It was me like, let's watch Raising Arizona. This is a fabulous it's a movie. movie. It's a fantastic movie. And this is one of those movies that you could watch today mm-hmm. and it holds up hold just up as well as when it came yeah. out yeah. originally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, this Son is bitch.
0: John Goodman's in it. John,
2: there are John so Goodman? many people in this yeah. movie.
0: Some yeah. bitch. I mean that movie is I, and and the thing about it, I mean, I understand the story. I you know it's but there are these elements like the is it the devil? I don't know. Is it the, the the motorcycle guy. Oh, Tex Cobb? Yeah.
2: I don't know if he's the devil or not. I mean, he's evil incarnate for yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But dude, those scenes when he's on the motorcycle,
0: Heavy. it's Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's all this beautiful poetry. Like, you know, it's such a poetic film in so many ways. You know, when he's riding in, you're just hearing all these lines being said, you know. And it's like, I don't know, it's just such a really cool, it's hard to put your finger on what makes that movie so odd, at least for me, what makes Raising Arizona such a cool movie. But Nicolas Cage, as far as his performance in that movie, some of the shit he does, he's just just squirrely little criminal. Little, little dirt bag, little scumbag,
2: you know? And, and I think what's interesting about it is that he sells it. He oh, sells dang,
0: it. So, dude. He
2: is a total just whack job, yeah. southern crook, yeah. and he sells it. He mm-hmm. sells being the weasel, and you actually sympathize with this guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You're like, yeah, he's actually pretty fucking cool. Yeah. I want to hang out with him and, and all they want fucking to do is, abduct you know, some babies. Well, yeah, but that's
0: the thing. That's what makes that story so hard. You know, it's, it may, it tugs you a little bit because, um, you know, if there's that sadness of it, then there's just an absolute diabolical element where these people are going to kidnap a child, which I can't think of. It's one of the worst things you can do as a as a person. I couldn't imagine that, right? But even. In the midst of that, when they're caught, it's like, well, here's why, right? Here's why she can't have babies. yeah she can. so
2: they're like, these rich people have everything.
0: Well, yeah, so we're gonna take it. but even you know they they understood though when they caught him. they were returning the baby, yeah, and it, it was over. they get that life, you're done, right? but he understood, you know, and uh, you know that, that one scene where he's like, boy you know something like that. I'm like, oh, fuck, man. it's it's a, it's a it's a tearjerker of a film in a lot of in a lot of pieces there's a, there's areas where you're like whoa, that's heavy you know but then the rest of it is just absolute insanity mm-hmm. hilarity man it's a real roller coaster ride if you haven't seen raising arizona it's one of my top films i love that movie as I much think- as i don't like nicolas cage that much <laughs> that's one of my top films i love that movie
2: this is one of those movies that you if you claim to be a fan of film or cinema, mm-hmm. if you've never seen this movie, then you have to go watch it. Yeah, now. go
0: see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely go see it. Cause it's, it's a lot of fun. I don't know anybody who has it. And it's, it's one of them. It's a cult film, total cult film now. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those ones where, I mean, I don't <laughs> raising Arizona is like the fucking Ramones, man. I don't know anybody who doesn't like the Ramones. Like, right. Uh,
1: this was the Collins first big hit and yeah. they would soon make a whole career out of, uh, major hits. Yeah. And, their, their work is unmistakably theirs. You know, Mm they, I don't know of any influences that they're drawing from. They just are one of a kind.
0: Yeah.
2: And this kind of like kicked off that entire thing for them. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: I love this movie. It's, it's totally great. I, I can't, Say enough good things about this film, and like you said, I don't know. And that's what I was saying before. I, everybody, you mentioned the, you mentioned Raising Arizona, and everybody's like, "Oh, people light up." They're like, "Oh, do that movie's the shit. I love yeah. it." Yeah. I don't know anybody who's like, "Oh, I couldn't stand that flick. It was so stupid, man." No, everybody loves this movie. It's like total classic, man. Um, we were talking about. We talked briefly. Uh, well, that was before. That was before Raising Arizona. Peggy Sue got married. We already touched on that kind of though. Yeah. Um, Okay, Chris pointed this out to us yesterday. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Andrew. I didn't mean to cut you off, man. Deadfall.
1: Oh, man. (sighs) That and Vampire's Kiss are neck and neck as far as which movie is he overacting and (laughs) harder at. Because Deadfall is, man, he just doesn't so much chew up the scenery as he just starts on a corner, works his way in, and then swallows the fucking scene whole. He's just so... (laughs) Absurdly, insanely, ridiculously over the top, like acting well past eleven. <laughs> there's, there's no other way to really describe it. It just kind of has to be seen to be believed. That was when he started. I think that and Vampire's Kiss were around the time that he started uh, becoming a self-parody in a way.
2: <laughs> Are you Donald oh. Trump? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think that may have had a part in. This yeah, too. I think he started doing that some too. blow. That too. He had to have been. You can't be that amped up, man.
1: You just can't.
0: <laughs> I don't know anybody that could have that kind of energy. You know, unfiltered, and <laughs> they just. Oh God, yeah, Deadfall. Oh crap, I lost my list. Deadfall. Um, that's one of those ones too. Like, oh my God, it's not a good movie. I don't really like the movie that much, but I do like. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, the overacting's there, but it's kind of fun to watch, to be honest with you. I get a kick out of it. It's it's fun.
1: Vampire's Kiss, you know, where he's running around in the street, he's wearing fake vampire teeth going, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a riot.
0: You mentioned The Rock. That was... You know, was, which, you know that, that was a huge hit. We all saw that in the theater. That uh, was
1: after uh, leaving Las Vegas. I think just one year after leaving Las Vegas. Was that was... Probably his biggest action movie up to that point. Oh yeah, and the movie that really uh, put Michael Bay on the map.
0: I mean, Ed Harris was in The Rock too. I remember. And now. Sean Connery. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah. I was down there for days. <laughs> the <meant to> Rock.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the Rock was fun. Yeah. I remember. I haven't watched it a bunch of times. I remember seeing it in the theater, and we were like, "Yeah, it was pretty good." You know, I, don't know. I think The Rock. We were I, just going to fuck the prom queen. I whatever.
2: mean, the cool thing about The Rock is we really didn't get like a lot of those like type of military movies yet, you know, where they're going to set up this giant fucking missile mm-hmm. and blow up the city. And, you know, Ed Harris was usually not really a bad guy. No, he was up always- to this point. This was kind of when he kind of flip flopped from being, you know, the hero of The Abyss to being more of, you know, he can be. Bad, yeah. too, yeah, but yeah, The Rock, oh my God, and what a yeah. huge hit that movie
0: was not, too. Not to oh, not, yeah. not to write on Ed Harris too long, but you know, he was a bad guy in 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 The Rock. Yeah, however, his delivery was still very noble. Mm-hmm. Like their whole reasoning was like, look, you you know, we want to help our men, and you people aren't doing it, so we're going to force the issue now. And you know, if you don't do this, or you know, he there was a noble thing behind.
1: It made you em- it made you empathize with yeah. his plight in a way. Yeah,
0: yeah, I was I was kind of like yeah. I, 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 it, was it wasn't
1: anything. just a stereotypical villain. There was yeah. there was a there he, was a noble he, purpose behind it. He, what would you do in the same situation that he was in? I I'd guess. blow
2: some shit up. <laughs> yeah,
1: awesome. <laughs> no, uh, but The Rock which, is really movie. it's a here's great movie.
2: action movie. Oh, hell yeah! what I like about The Rock with Nicolas Cage is. Nicolas Cage is not a big man. He is like your everyday, kind of like six foot tall, 175 pound, 180 pound, just normal dude, Mm -hmm. and he gets put into a scenario in which he has to be the everyman battling against the bad guys. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what
1: they did with uh, Harrison Ford in the Indiana, Indiana Jones series. Yeah, yeah. Putting every man in uh, yep. the superhero shoes.
2: But I think Cage did a great job with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about bringing out the dead? Anybody seen the, <laughs> you, have you guys seen that? that no, yeah, was
1: years later. Yeah, that was great.
0: See, I'm, like I said, I'm cherry-picking here, so if I'm screwing you up, I'm no, sorry. No, dude, I, you well, know what? I think this
2: is great. I think we're digging a little bit deeper than we normally do, mm-hmm. and I kind of like this non-chronological format, because usually we're just breaking down a list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of digging that well, we're we just, Well,
0: I'll tell you what, Andrew, you probably had some stuff before Bringing Out the Dead. What, what well, you got? I was
1: just going to say, after The Rock, he did two more action movies, Con Air and Face Off. See, fuck We're, both those movies. <laughs> <the face-off's, laughs> oh, how I feel. Face Off's a riot. I mean, he's just so over the top in it, and the way they switch roles, and they're trying to play was. off one another. Um, eight millimeter. He did that right oh, before bringing out the dead. I love eight millimeter. I do too. And you
2: know why I love eight millimeter? First off, it's down and dirty. It's nasty. It kind of changed him a little bit, mm-hmm. but. It's such a throwback to the 1979 film, Hardcore, oh, big time, with George yeah. C. Scott in it. It's, yeah. a, it's very much the same movie.
1: It's a spiritual remake.
2: Yeah, down and dirty, gritty, and it's pretty cool. Wa- Joaquin Phoenix Joaquin is in this, Phoenix, too. Phoenix,
1: yeah, and uh, uh, Anthony Heald, who played Dr. Chilton in uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs, is one of the villains in it. Oh. Uh, what's his name? Peter Sarsgaard. Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah. And who else is in that movie? There's a lot of people in that There's movie. There's a lot of people in that movie. James, James Gandolfini. Gandolfini. James Gandolfini. That's is right. 8mm? Yeah.
0: Yep. yep.
2: Yeah, he basically plays like another like kind of gangster, like down and dirty bad guy, very similar to like true romance character. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I remember. I saw eight millimeter when it first came out. I saw it at the Macomb Mall
1: mm-hmm.
2: movie theater. Mm-hmm. And there weren't a lot of people there. There's like ten or twelve people in the entire theater. And it was very like hard. It yeah. is a hard movie. Shit takes place in that movie that I think if they made that movie today, they would probably not go that deep in dirty and grotesque with it. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, they, they in some scenes, they used real uh, um, BDSM porn films. Like, There's a scene where he's walking in like some underground video collecting uh, ring and uh, is watching some movie being projected, and I didn't know until after the fact that it was apparently a real porno that they, they put on screen. This was a
0: snuff film one. That's what this was yes. about. See, I may have seen it a while Again, this they didn't stick with
1: me. It's one of Joel Schumacher's better ones. and I should sit down and watch it. He did this not long after I You mean think. it
2: wasn't as good as Batman and Robin? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jesus. It was better than uh, The Lost Boys, which is arguably one of Schumacher's best.
2: Oh, dude, I love that
0: movie.
1: Uh, so, Bringing Out the Dead, his first movie with Martin Scorsese. That's, uh, a,
0: that's a weird-ass movie, too. Am I fired yet? no (laughs) go ahead go to work (laughs) i just
1: (laughs) it kind of has this uh sleepy vibe to it like you're not sure how much of it is real how much of it is being hallucinated because of his his mental state and the way it's presented visually um great soundtrack and a really daring uh performance by him
2: i don't think it's one of scorsese's best films though
1: and compared to how many he's done, I mean, yeah, I don't know what I'd call a bad Scorsese movie. I don't know of any. Bringing out the dead. <laughs> <laughs> really?
2: No. Well, if I have to compare this to The Aviator, Goodfellas, well, yeah, of course, well, you yeah. know, The Departed, those like I think yeah. you're talking
0: about films. Like they're those are all epic films, man.
2: Marty can't make a bad movie, but this one does not live up. To the rest. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because I, I remember watching that. this going like fucking good fellows. What the fuck happened, dude? You, yeah. you, you mm-hmm. suck now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh gone in sixty seconds. Yeah. Oh me- Jesus. Memphis yeah. Reigns. With uh Angelina uh, Jolie. Uh,
0: uh tone, what's his Hannah name? Over. Uh Vinny Jones is in this movie too. Guy played uh who yeah. played, he plays uh Sphinx. I like I like Vinny Jones. He you know he he was really picking up after snatch. I think he was—he was, you know. Watch he did, your language, Mister. <laughs> he he did snatch, and I think you know he was starting to get some roles. But I really haven't heard much from Benny Jones. He played uh, the friggin' in Snatch. He was uh, the yeah hard guy. Yeah, of, I don't know what you call him. Bonjour. I mean, yes, I love that shit. But I mean, yeah, I like Benny. He but he has no lines in... They call him Sphinx for a reason. He doesn't say anything. So there wasn't much of a stretch for him. But Nicolas Cage, and he jammed... This movie... I mean, this is an example of of a film with Nicolas Cage. As soon as I saw the preview for it, I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God, It's Nicolas Cage. It just isn't my... No, it just the film itself just isn't my thing, man. I, I just... The whole testosterone fuel yeah. car chase shit i mean fast and the furious is stuff that just i laugh at that i just th- those are just like the most ridiculous the, the, you know gone but in 60 cr-
2: seconds it's just it's a passive watch it's dumb viewing it's yeah. sitting there it's
0: watching your brain at the door movie yeah yeah now but there are some fun some i mean as far as his delivery there's some great scenes where it's just i cracked up laughing you know i, I mean he really you know, he damaged that one car, and they're like, "It's damaged." And he's like, ah, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> he just kind of throws his arms up, and I just, I just kind of loved how he just kind of just sold that part. Like, it's not that bad. Come on, you know. I mean, after what you just watched him do with that car, right? We didn't really touch
2: on leaving Las Vegas that much. We should
0: though. talk about it. It's
2: a I mean, heavy one. It is a heavy one. Mm-hmm. Like, I can instantly feel the weight just mentioning the name mm-hmm. of the movie. Mm-hmm. It is a fabulous film yeah. though. And, you know, I've never been an addict by any means, but watching that movie and watching him act in that movie, it scares you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It actually does scare you because he throws himself so hard and so far into that role that you, you do sympathize with the character and, and you understand the pain of that just grotesque amount of alcoholism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i can't imagine drinking like that mm-hmm. it it scares me it's, it does scare me it,
0: it's scary um yeah <laughs> you got me bummed out now. I'm like, oh my I'm god. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's I'm so sorry. Oh, great my film god. though. Great you know, film.
1: He directed a movie with James Franco called Sunny in 2002.
2: Oh, I saw that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't that bad. James- it was It was not that bad. Read mm-hmm. me the premise.
1: Let's see here. An honorably discharged soldier returns home to New Orleans. Hoping to break away from his upbringing as a trained prostitute, but his brothel madam mother has other expectations. Um, sure,
0: this isn't a story about Chris. <laughs> it is. It's my <laughs> life. It's my life story. Mia
1: Savary and Harry Dean Stanton are in it. Nicholas Cage has a small part in it also, but yeah, he directed it. And then he uh, probably did his most chameleonic performance to date with adaptation, where he played. Charlie Kaufman and Donald Kaufman and the, the Spike Jones directed adaptation of Charlie Kaufman's screenplay. Probably the mo- the strangest movie he's done since wild at heart. Do you remember adaptation?
2: Yes, I do.
1: And he's got like this, uh, kind of a curly, uh, blown out perm and he's really, uh, oversized. I think he even put on some additional weight for the role and, it uh, is the least like his other movies. It's the least likely Nicolas Cage movie.
2: Tilda Swinton, Meryl Streep, Chris Cooper. Holy shit! Mm-hmm. hmm This movie got a lot of awards
1: too, didn't it? Chris Cooper won the Best Supporting Actor award.
2: That's why I thought, oh, Spike Jones directed this one.
1: Mm-hmm. hmm
2: I probably have not seen it though since it was out.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a. Uh, it's definitely a surreal one. Um, all of Charlie Kaufman's stuff is um one of those where he he doesn't disappear he doesn't do the cage thing he is fully immersed in this character and he's given total control of the director in this particular film
0: can we talk about that we haven't mentioned the wicker man
1: it's, um <laughs> <laughs> not the bees not the bees God. <laughs> <it> <laughs> How to get burned. How to get burned. How to get burned. burned? burned? (laughs) Step away
2: from the bike. (laughs) You know, the wicker man. Is one of those horror movies? Obviously, it's a remake. Correct. Mm, yes, exactly. the original
1: is a great horror movie.
2: Yeah, I went into The Wicker Man <laughs> thinking I'm not gonna hate this movie as much as everybody else. I'm gonna force myself to like this, mm. and it's really bad. <laughs> it's really, really bad because he is doing the caricature thing in this movie. But yeah, that whole scene at the end just—he's
1: beyond over the top and
0: beyond, beyond, well beyond. But the last thing I saw Nicolas Cage do, and it was only and the only reason I watched it was because of an ex-girlfriend was National Treasure, Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) which at the time it was topical for me because I was really into a lot of conspiracy theories and stuff like that at that point in my life. So I I did get drawn into the movie because it just but it was just. It was like, like like the history channel on steroids, basically. that's how I can equate that movie to I mean, lots of action, of course, didn't stick with me though. I mean I can't really remember all the stuff that happened, it was just like one thing after another, like it was, well, this is the reason this happened, this is the reason that happened, this is the reason this
1: happened. It, it was, was it... kinda of like in the Indiana Jones sort of archaeological adventure yeah. film. And yeah,
0: same yeah, you're right. Yeah, that, that same John Voigt
2: was in those. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Right before that, he did Matchstick Men with Ridley Scott. Yeah, I was just going to mention that.
2: Now, we all know how we kind of feel about Ridley Scott at this point, like just retire, fuck mm-hmm. off, you know, mm-hmm. you're done.
1: Give the guy a break. I've heard fuck fuck all, guy. The, I've heard all the money in the world is good, though. What's that? I've heard all the money in the world is good.
2: Yeah, I've heard mixed reviews on that. But Matchstick Men, I think really is Ridley Scott's last great drama. Mm-hmm. And it's got Sam Rockwell on it. Mm-hmm. I, just fuck me. Seriously. Fuck me. <laughs> if Sam Rockwell is in the movie, the man does not pick a bad script. Mm-hmm. He only makes great movies. I've never seen a bad movie with Sam Rockwell in it.
1: Never. Maybe, maybe Choke.
2: Yeah, I guess that was kind of shitty. But it still, it wasn't bad by any means, you mm-hmm. know? He just takes and runs with everything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Matchstick Man, that was a really, really good flick. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, when I saw that movie, I watched it, like, three or four times because I was that impressed, and the the play, the interplay between Cage and Rockwell Mm -hmm. was really,
1: really great, too. Yeah. So. Uh, Lord of War.
2: Never saw it. Dude. Have you ever seen it?
1: Uh, I've seen Bits and Pieces, not all the way through. I know it's directed by Andrew Nicole of of, uh, Gattaca, and you wrote The Truman Show.
2: This movie is basically about arms dealing, mm-hmm. and it's actually really, really good. It stars Nicolas Cage and Jared Leto. Ethan Hall. Really? Yeah. And Leto is really, really good in this one, too. But, yeah, if you've not seen Lord of War, um, if I suggest a Nicolas Cage movie, this would be one that I would definitely say you should see. Really? Mm. Yeah, because everybody I know that's seen this movie actually likes it. I've never heard Anybody badmouth Lord of War? Okay. <clears throat> Nicholas
1: uh, Cage, the Weatherman, the Gore Verbinski film with uh, uh, Michael Caine. That was kind of that was a little different role for him.
2: I have never seen this one.
1: It was a least likely Gore Verbinski movie. This was like around just around the time he had done The Ring and the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, so okay. it was it was a bit of a bit of an outlier for him. Um looks like he did some voice acting in some some movies. No!
0: The B <laughs> The, the Ant Bully.
1: Um let's see what else we got here. Ghost Rider.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that movie actually the original one had a really good soundtrack. Mm. Yeah. It had, had a good soundtrack. That- Helmet th- Rollins band was on there. Some really cool stuff. But the, um, oh, the movie. was one very good though. Very good though.
2: <clears throat> this, the Ghost Rider movie was like before the whole big comic book movie push happened. Yeah. These Ghost Rider movies are fucking horrendous. Mm-hmm. I saw the first one in the theater and it was not impressive in the slightest. Mm. There's one that we didn't really talk about earlier. Mm. And it is one that I would suggest. It's called Red Rock West. Have you guys ever seen this no, movie? No, no. It's very, very good. Um, it's a crime drama, and it stars Nicolas Cage, Dennis Hopper, and Lara Flynn Boyle.
0: Oh, mm. you know when I was I saw like a picture of that, and when I was researching, and you know, I saw Dennis Hopper in the shot, I was like, whoa.
2: Yeah, this is actually a a very good movie. There's some great plot twists in it. Yeah, and this is prior to his whole. Nicolas Cage is playing Nicolas Cage, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really good, kind of dry southern crime movie.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: We actually watched this in my film class because my professor loved this film. He had seen it and fell in love with it. And then we actually watched it a couple times in class. So, yeah, it's a definite, definite suggested viewing. 100%, y'all. Mmm.
1: Bad what? Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. Oh
0: God! Now, now, okay, I did not see that. I could give zero fucks about the movie, to be honest with you. But that is a sequel.
1: It's a remake of Bad Lieutenant, uh, the Abel Ferrara film, and it's like a snarky comedy. Werner Herzog directed. Wait,
0: so they? It's a remake of the original one, mm-hmm. but with a different story.
1: It's similar, but he's not. It's the aims of the movies are different. The uh, the Herzog remake is more of a snarky comedy. The original, with Harvey Keitel, he's a really... Well, it's dark as bad, hell. It's dark as hell. He's a bad fucking lieutenant. Yeah. And deals with uh, sin and redemption. There's a lot of religious overtones in it. Mm-hmm. And that's in most of Abel Ferrara's work. But in this film, it's more sort of Herzogian quirkiness, like there's a point in it where he even references one of his own movies, Strozak, where uh, Nicolas Cage says his soul's still dancing and they play the same music that ends Strozak with these break, oh, really? with these guys doing breakdancing. <laughs> and a lot of iguanas, a lot of lizards. Um, it's a, it's a strange one, but it's uh, that was one where a lot of people were... Comparing the casting of Nicolas Cage in the movie to how Herzog kept casting Klaus Kinski in his movies, like it wasn't, it wasn't so much about the guy's subtlety and nuance. It was about how over the top is this guy going to go? Yeah, and how far is he going to take the scene chew- chewing? Is it going to achieve a level of transcendence? <laughs> and and that's kind of what they were going for with Bad Lieutenant, Porto Call, New Orleans. Um, it's not everyone's favorite. I think it's hilarious myself. Yeah, um,
2: I just remember in that movie there was some really weird shit with a lizard.
1: That's what he we're was talking he was about. Yeah, you
2: know, and he was tripping balls. Okay, sorry, I had to get up and urinate and get a beer. So, <laughs>
0: how many beers have you had? You drunk? six tonight
2: in the last half hour.
0: Oh wow! No, no, doing better number, than I would be. <laughs> no, this is
2: number three. We had the um, one episode
0: where I was drinking on there, and I was a total bumbling, stumbling, nervous mess the whole way through. It was great.
2: It's my birthday. My birthday sucked my butthole. Yeah, I was. So, I,
0: I meant I meant to. Sorry, Andrew, I'm going to cut you off, but I meant to mention that it is Christopher's birthday today. Fuck yep, my birthday. Birthday,
2: Mr. Mr. President. <laughs> President. Nobody sent me hookers. I'm Happy gonna...
1: birthday to you. I'm hard. Shut up. Let's talk about we knowing. Made,
0: we made Chris hard. <laughs> knowing. Oh, man, I, I know I've uh, seen this.
1: Alex Proyas movie before he made Gods of Egypt. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, Alex Proyas' last... Uh, well, some people aren't fans of it, but others think it's his last great movie. But Knowing? Take it away, Chris.
2: Knowing. Knowing was just this weird movie about this dude that like could see the future, right? And catastrophes and shit. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty fucking terrible. Really? Yeah. I did not enjoy
1: this movie at all. Because hmm, Blake loves it. Really? Yeah. Well, then we he do- doesn't
2: know what a good
0: movie <laughs> is.
1: <laughs> yeah. That movie has
0: come up on this show before. I think. I was. I'm think- I. I don't think I've honestly seen it, but I think we. I think. I think it's been brought up here before.
2: Yeah, I, it's not that bad. It just kind of it fell into that like. Who knows?
0: Hey. <laughs> it
2: fell into that like you know mid 2000 like 2000 to 2010 kind of like the bad like sci-fi they were just trying to push out there yeah Mm -hmm. you know about the end of the world and bad things happening it kind of just it sucked up too many of the tropes into one movie okay and it just
0: kind of fell apart for me
1: so he was in uh kick-ass which you have a poster of in the theater he yeah, I is, saw
0: that. I saw that he was in... I, what, <clears throat> I, I saw Kick-Ass, now and then, I, again, another one of those ones that didn't stick with me. What the hell did he do in that movie? He played Big Daddy. Big Daddy. He was um, huh?
2: Hit-Girl's dad, Big oh, Daddy. Oh, okay, now I remember. And he kind of looks like Batman, and yeah. he was supposed to be the original real-life superhero. All
0: right. The
2: first one to take up the mantle of, he was going to go in public and... Kill the fuck out of the bad guys All right,
0: yeah, But he
2: was highly trained And he had lots of kick-ass weapons And actually Nicolas Cage Was pretty effing good mm-hmm. In this role I thought there was a pretty good interplay Between him and Chloe Grace Moretz mm-hmm. I actually watched Kick-Ass 2 again the other night um, And he gets brought up Quite a bit in that movie Yeah, But Cage was not bad In that role But I think there's a reason for that He's very limited in that movie, he's not in it for very long. Mm -hmm. So they kind of just didn't give him too much room to do the caricature thing. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm.
1: all right. Then he was, he started doing a lot of dumping ground movies like Bangkok dangerous. I don't think that did well. (laughs) Uh, Season of the witch, not to be confused with the really, really bad George, a Romero movie and (sighs) drive angry, which I never saw. I never
0: saw that. Wait, wait, No, I never
1: saw Drive Angry.
2: Drive Angry has him and Amber Heard in it. It's a fun movie, but it's not good by any means. Now, the worst movie that I think he's ever been in, and it was actually one of the first movies I ever reviewed for the movie sleuth when I first started the site, All By My Lonesome, Mm -hmm. decades ago. No, Um, years ago. Mm. Back in eighteen forty six. Back in 1942. It was a movie called Trespass that starred Nicolas Cage and Nicole Kidman, and this was like a downturn area for her, too, because she was absolutely fucking horrible in this movie. This
1: was another Joel Schumacher movie. This
2: movie, literally, I would not wish Trespass on my worst enemy. This movie is fucking horrendous. I think I gave it like a one or a two, something (laughs) like that on the site.
1: These are the same guys that collaborated on 8mm. What, What happened?
2: I don't know what happened but oh ben Mendelssohn's in this movie too yeah yeah but uh yeah not not the best of cage at all and this was part of the downturn era for him also Mm -hmm.
1: he did that david gordon green movie joe where he's what sporting is he sporting a beard in it yeah yeah and it's like a coming of age sort of crime drama i think
2: The Frozen Ground starring him and John Cusack was not that bad. Mm -hmm. Um, That was like a straight-to-video type thing. Yeah. It was kind of cool seeing John Cusack and Nicolas Cage on screen Mm -hmm. playing against each other, you know? Because Cusack now is doing the exact same thing as Cage. He's doing all straight-to-video stuff. And I'm not sure what happened with Cusack, but Hollywood has kind of shut him out.
1: Well, he's kind of a prima donna. Like, he'll do a movie and then turn around and say, that was total garbage. I'm I'm never working with you again, blah, blah, blah. Like, Better Off Dead, he was, like, saying, you made me do the worst movie of my career. You ended my career, blah, blah, blah. Better Off
0: Dead? Better Off Dead is the
2: best fucking movie of his career. He can suck my fucking dick.
1: (laughs) I'm just saying, I think that's why he's been ousted from Hollywood is because he can't keep his trap shut. Yeah, yeah, shut up. Um, yeah, because he
2: was doing some cool stuff like yeah. in the mid two thousands, you know. Mm-hmm. But oh, we should do a podcast in John Cusack.
1: Another time, dude. You're I sure? could talk
2: about Better Off Dead. We I could love do that a, movie. We could do a three hour episode on Better Off
1: Dead. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that just... movie.
0: I love it. I love I I, well, we'll d- yeah,
1: for later. Having Let's met wait. Curtis Armstrong too, I could say a lot about Charles DeMar. Um, Damn. I'm gonna say the lowest point of Nicolas Cage's career came in the form of the remake of the Kirk Cameron movie, Left, Left behind. behind. That is the bottom of the barrel for Cage. It's depressing trying to watch that movie, because even him doing the Cage-tastic shtick, you can tell he's not happy being in that movie. Like, he just w- wants out of it. it it's bad. Mm. It's, it's so bad. Like, depressingly bad. Not... <laughs> Not watch it and laugh bad like uh, Deadfall or or uh, Zandali like depressingly well, bad.
0: All right, so that's his lowest point, and yeah. here we are in 2017.
2: What's his highest point? Do we think that it's leaving Las Vegas? Do we think that that was the the pinnacle? The well, pinnacle? You, think,
0: you mean artistically or monetarily?
2: I'm, I'm taking artistically. Oh, I don't care about money. I mean, I care about mm-hmm. money, but yeah. I don't. But this guy you know
0: me is raising arizona (laughs) yeah i I think that was his absolute i mean i know it was early in his career too but i mean i don't and again i mean i'll be totally honest in saying i have not seen a lot of his films but what i have seen which i think is a pretty good good uh, good population um that role is just timeless to me
1: wild at heart for me um sailor uh sailor ripley i think is his name yes yeah that's that's my top nicholas cage role he also oh one thing we didn't talk about with nicholas cage is he actually produced a lot of movies too and like not so much directing but he produced that uh shadow of the vampire film with willem dafoe and john malkovich that oh. was a phenomenal movie I remember yeah. That.
2: yeah 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 he produced
1: that he did with his company saturn films
0: oh far out
2: what an original name he came up with!
1: Unfortunately, that same co- production company also produced The Wicker Man. So, <laughs> whatever credibility <laughs> <his> company <laughs> whatever credibility his company had, he just flushed it down the toilet with one movie. But anyway,
0: but mom and dad, and I mean, going that that's you know where he's at now, looking forward. I don't want to end this thing on a yeah.
1: Dog down, eat dog. What about dog eat dog? I don't remember that. Jesus. Paul Schrader film God. with Willem Dafoe.
2: Doggy Dog is a really good movie. It's him, Willem Dafoe, and then it was, uh, who else was in it?
1: Uh, Christopher Matthew, Omar Dorsey.
2: But there was a third, because remember, the um, the team, there were three of them that were in the, oh yeah, it was Christopher Dorsey, wasn't it?
1: Mm-hmm. But the main two actors were. Christopher
2: Matthew Cook mm-hmm. was the third in their little trio of criminals. Mm-hmm. It's it's a heist movie, okay. but it's down and dirty, and it, it, it feels like a Paul Schrader movie.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they did that one. They disowned that Dying in the Light movie. It was basically taken away from them, and I think they wanted to work together again to try and... Schrader and Cage, I think, wanted to work together again to make a movie that they both approved of because they disowned Dying in the Light. In fact, I think paul schrader recut it into a new film called dark which yeah. is available at a university it's not commercially available you can only watch it in a library archive it's the only way you can see it that's dumb yeah no it's sure. a rights issues thing they, they don't own the rights to the footage so uh well, he, he was in snowden his second Oliver oh snowden yeah yeah he
2: played like a side role in snowden Mm -hmm. which I remember when we saw that at the theater, we were kind of like shocked, like, oh, Nicolas Cage is in this? Oh, and he's not like in a starring role. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I remember he was like talking to Snowden like on the side. Like he was a very, very limited character, but he was good in that movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was good in that movie. So I don't know. Do we think this guy is actually going to see a comeback or do we think it's just going to be more of what he's doing right now?
1: I think – more of what he's doing right now and and that's okay that's perfectly fine I mean he he's doing what he wants he's keeping busy he's not embroiled in any of these stupid Hollywood scandals yeah that's surprising he, um, <laughs>
2: that's surprising
1: he um I just say keep on trucking Nick keep doing what you do
0: yeah I mean, despite my feelings uh of the guy I do think he's a great actor yeah there he's had his his times were, yeah, he was a little over the top, I think.
1: Is there any other over the top actor quite like him? No. I can't think of any. No.
2: No, I think he's got a lockdown on doing what he does. Well, him and Pacino. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. But I,
0: I think, uh, you know, as I said in the beginning of this, this segment, uh, there's no one like Nicolas Cage. There really isn't. He's such a unique person. Yeah. Um, on the stage, and I imagine he's a very unique person off the stage, too. Mm. Uh, no one looks like him, no one sounds like him, and no one definitely acts like him.
1: No.
2: Well, I know at one point Francis Ford Coppola basically disowned him and said, I don't want anything to do with
1: this guy anymore. <laughs>
2: but who Good. wants anything to do with Francis yeah, Ford Coppola him. anymore, For either? matter, yeah. yeah.
1: Fuck him. Yeah. Well, Jack.
2: Yeah. Oh, God career in shambles yeah. <laughs> yeah all right let's call it a night i think we're going to call it a night we've talked enough about nicholas
0: cage yeah we uh pounded him in the butt real good yeah he liked it though yeah, he how to it. Get, burned. He
1: how liked it. get burned how to get burned how to get burned how to get
0: burned all
2: right we're out bye, bye.
0: visit us at www.themoviesleuth.com
1: And find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes.